0: get tired of just looking at those guys crossing that line. <laughs> connection card. I want to invite you to open up your bulletin and pull out the blue and white connection card here. That's an opportunity for you to uh, give us some information uh, so we can officially welcome you, especially if this is your first time. But um, if there are any questions you might have, anything you'd like to bring to our attention, uh, any prayer requests, just put them on the other side. As you're filling that out, I just want to bring some things to your attention. There's a choir practice today. Uh, we have, um, let's see, orange time coming up for next Sunday, so keep that in mind. Gathering next Sunday, keep that in mind. Uh, gap dinner, for those of you gap dinner, keep that in mind. You know, gap dinner, for those of you who don't understand what that is, if you're like in your, in your 50s and your, your kids are out of the house... Uh, you, uh, this is a group that's kind of been started to kind of fill that gap between those who are in our harvester group and our, our young adult group. Um, uh, the people who attend the gap are people who are children, are, are gone, they're kind of empty nesters you might say. And we get together and grab dinner together and get into the Word a little bit. And uh, so if you're interested in uh, attending, you fit those, that category, just give me a, uh, talk to me, me or my wife. And know that there's a basketball game coming up. Uh, that's March 6th. You'll see that down there and looking forward, looking ahead. And they're looking for uh, one more, uh, at least one more player. So you can get information at the pretzel kiosk outside, out there in the, in the foyer. Okay. I'd like you to open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. We're going to continue on in the book of Mark. And as, as we mentioned today, we are, are tackling a... Uh, a very fundamental, but probably one of, uh, one of the most important questions of the Bible. To so look at Mark chapter 8, i want to read a couple of verses here. I'm going to read verses 27 to 29. Mark chapter 8. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea and Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied. Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered. You are the Christ. Let's pray. Father, as we get into this text, uh, all, a very important text, and t- an important text for all generations, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will just speak to our minds, but especially to our hearts, and help us to not take this lightly, but really take this for the weight that it is, um, a question that, that, that the Lord poses to his believers and to us today, who he is, and help us, Father, to really examine our own hearts and what we believe. About this text and what the, what was talked about. So bless this time, speak to us, help us, Father, to understand Your heart in all of this. In Jesus' name, Amen. Do you follow the Grammys? I don't, um, but I read something funny after the Grammy awards were given out. There is this rapper by the name of a Tiger, Tiger, Tiga? Whatever I, you know, when I saw the name, I said I felt I felt like Tigger. You know, the you know, wonderful thing about Tiggers, or Tiggers is a Tigger's wonderful things. Yeah, but anyway, this guy had this party after the Grammys, and um, you know, and so people, these celebrities, would go in, and they had the guy there to stop people from going in who shouldn't be in there. And Paul McCartney went up there, and the guy wouldn't let Paul McCartney in. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how incredible that Paul McCartney was. About. Wait a minute. Some of you don't know who Paul McCartney is? <laughs> Man, what do you do, live under a rock? <laughs> See, if, if you don't know who Paul McCartney is, then what? this has no, it's not funny at all. No, it's not funny, it's not interesting, who cares, you know? But if you know who the Beatles are, if you understand the influence they were in not only the music industry, but in, in society when they played, then you understand how outrageous and crazy this is that Paul McCartney was not allowed into this simple little, goofy little party. See, this morning we're going to return to the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to read when Jesus asked his loyal followers a question that is really life-changing and that question is who do you say I am and I want you to to understand that this is a question that goes through all generations to us sitting here this morning that question of who do you say Jesus is so let's get into this Let's look at, let's think about this. Who is Jesus? Let's go back to verses 27 and 29. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? Now, the setting is that this this Caesarea Philippi was really a pretty neat area. It was right there uh, by the Jordan. It was on the slopes of Mount Hermon. And it was kind of like a neat R&R place. Matter of fact, when we, we can pick up little bits and pieces from the New Testament that, that Jesus went there and others went there, and it was kind of like a place to kind of relax and, and just to kind of refresh yourself. And so Jesus, you know, he, he knew that his disciples had to, had to learn things. They had to be, been, 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 to be taught things. They are things that they had to really embrace for them to be the disciples that he knew they had to be and they would be. And so he takes this as a teaching opportunity. So as they're moving along to the area they're heading for, he asks this question, Who do people say I am? Well, thus the disciples started to share what they've heard. And they've heard various things, you know, some people looked at Jesus as, as a person, or maybe a legendary person from the past. Actually, the spirit of that old, that person who has passed away even, is living through the life of Jesus. They considered him a spiritual man. They considered him a prophet, which in other words means he is a messenger from God. All kinds of things. Have you ever been asked the question, if you could sit down and have dinner with anybody in world history, who would that be? you ever been asked that question? You know, very rarely do people say Attila the Hun. Most people, when they're asked that question, their mind floats to people like Abraham Lincoln or Gandhi and Jesus. And see, there are many people who kind of lump Jesus in that category of good, wholesome people who have done really good, wonderful things for this world. But who did Jesus say he is? Who did he say he is? What did he say about himself that helps us understand who is Jesus? Let's go. I'm going to throw up a few, just a few texts here, a few few scriptures. Luke 19.10. Jesus said, The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Lost from What? lost from their creator, separated from their creator. I came to go after those people. I came to to win their hearts. I came to open up the door for them to come back to their creator. I came to save them. I am a savior. I am the savior. Look at John 65. What did Jesus say? I am the bread of life. Now, what does that mean to you, bread? You know, I was in Brazil. I lived in Brazil for quite a few years, and I lived in areas where every morning everyone walked to what they call the panificadora, the bakery. Every morning they walked to get fresh bread. They'd take that fresh bread home. They'd eat it for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner. Then the next morning they go back and they get that fresh bread. That fresh bread was their sustenance. That was their staple. It was their most basic nutrient for living. And that's what Jesus is for us. He's saying that to us. He's saying, I am that staple. I am that basic nutrient for your life. That's what he says about himself. Let's go on. John, John 14, 6. He simply says so clearly, no one comes to the Father except by me. He is the only way to get to that place we call heaven. He is the only way to know your creator. He is the only way to, to know the God of this book. The only way. There's no exception. I don't care what you hear. I don't care what you read. I don't care what, you, what people say to you. He is the only way way. That's what he's saying about himself. We go on. John 14, 9. Anyone who has seen me. Now think about this. Jesus is saying to this, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He's God. Now it's been written, Fellow named Josh McDowell, I think, was the first one who put these words down. But he says, here's Jesus saying all these things about himself, and realistically, we only have three choices. The first choice is that this guy was a liar. That's our first choice. This guy was a liar, he's a liar. We read all those things, we can chalk it up. He's a liar. Think about this. The, the guy who we look at as the, most, the greatest moral teacher in the history of mankind, and we sum it up in our minds, <laughs> Nah, he's a liar. He, he's, he's just trying to fool us. He's just trying to pull the wool over our eyes. He's a phony. It'd be more believable if he said he's Santa Claus. He's just a liar. He's, he's really good at it, though. See, that's option number one. Option number two, He's nuts. He's a lunatic. He's a lunatic. He's crazy. He's got these incredible thoughts about himself that he is this and that, and of all things, he's saying he's God. Who in the world could stand in front of me and tell me he's God? And especially think that he's saying it to the Jews whose whole life and whose whole culture focus on God. How dare he even think that we would believe that? One last option. He's Lord. That he is who he says he is. That he is the Savior. That he is God. See, those are the only choices you got in a lot of ways. You you're going to chalk him up as a liar or you're going to chalk him up as a lunatic or you're going to say he's Lord. And see, that's the question that each one of us has to answer in our own minds and hearts. Who in the world is this guy? Look at verse 29. But what about you? he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the one sent from God. You are the one. So who do we say Jesus is? See, even more important, who, who do you say Jesus is? And it doesn't, And I'm not saying, what does the Bible say? And I'm not saying what you think I'm saying from up here. And everything boils down to right now, this moment, I want you to answer yourself, who is Jesus to you? See, this, I think, is the, the most important question of your entire life. We can gloss it over when you read it in the Bible. It is really the most important question of your life. Jesus knew that this question was not only important to us today, but right at that moment when he taught this to his disciples, he knew that how they answered this question to themselves is gonna determine on how he's going to, they're gonna to respond to what he's next gonna to say to them. Because now he's gonna tell them, why did I come? Let me tell you why I came. Look at verse 31, verse 31. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Look at 32. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. You know, let's go back to that whole idea that this guy's a liar or a lunatic because when you think about what he just says here, it makes more sense that he is a little bit nuts. But you notice Jesus so calmly told his disciples these things. And you can imagine what the disciples thought. They're thinking, oh my gosh, what is he thinking? I bet you they didn't say anything, they just heard it, they took it in, but in their minds, their minds are racing and going nuts. What is this? This guy's everything to me. I left everything for this guy. I walked away from family and business and my future to follow this guy. This guy is supposed to be my new purpose in life, and what he's saying? Telling me now he's going to be arrested, and he's going to be killed? Oh my gosh! And so look, so what happens? Peter panics. Peter he falls into a panic mode, and he just goes right up to Jesus, and he rebukes him. In other words, he scolds him. what are you saying? And look what Jesus says. Look how he responds to him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Peter didn't understand. Peter didn't understand this is why Jesus came. This was God's plan. And this was the beginning of a new world. We never think about it that way. But it was the beginning of a new world. This was the beginning of a world that could only be realized after Jesus hung on that cross and rose again. It's a world that acknowledges God as sovereign, that we, our minds are opened and our hearts are ready, and we acknowledge a God who is sovereign, a God who, who came to this world in the flesh and died for us, for us to grab on to that and say, wow, It's a God in which we can actually have a personal relationship with our Creator. That is bonkers. That is so out of our realm of understanding. It's a world of truth. Truth that says, God is great and you're not. Because we have a tendency to think we're okay. But the truth is, we're not okay. We need to be saved. It's a world that says that we've all fallen short of what God intended us to be. And that world is far from God. Paul wrote that though they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks. Isn't that the truth? That's what Paul wrote about us. See, it's a world of hope. Not only truth, but it's a world of hope. Hope that no matter what we have done, no matter what we continue to do and struggle, in, no matter what we're probably going to do tomorrow, that we can find forgiveness and we can find peace because... Jesus. this hope that no matter how dark our days get, no matter how tough it is, the struggles, the challenges, the tears, the sorrow, no matter how, how, how alone you might feel, the fact is that if you have Jesus Christ, then you can never be separated from God's love. Never. Hope that when the dust clears and you finally cross that finish line, when we finally run our course, that God will put out that welcome mat. See, Peter rebuked the Lord because he didn't understand. But Jesus knew why he came, and he knew what his coming would mean for us. So, after laying this all out, asking him, "Who am I?" After saying, "Hey, this is why I came," now he's going to come up with the most personal question of all: "Who wants to follow? Who wants to follow me?" See, he had people coming to him all the time. They had their hands out: "Hey, heal me of this. Give me that. You know, solve this problem." But, but. He's asking, no, 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 no I, I want to ask you guys. All of you guys that are here with your hands out, who wants to really follow me? Let's look at verses 34 and 35. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Wow. That is really heavy. In other words, to follow Jesus is to say, I want to be like you. And you know, when we think of what the Father wants of us, when our Creator, what He He created us for, it's just that He wants us to want to be like Jesus. He wants us to have that as a part of our basic, basic, basic purpose in life. I want to be like Jesus. It's an open invitation. But it's interesting. Let's break it down a little bit. We read it through here. Let's just break it down. Let's let's, let's look what he's saying. He's speaking about basically three steps here. And the first step, he says, step one, deny yourself. You know, the other day, I was was on the telephone with an online uh, company that I, I deal with. And they Asked me, he said, oh, to verify, you know, just to verify who you are, would you mind asking me this question? What's your favorite food? I thought about it. I said, oh, my gosh, what did I say way back then when I started this account? And I said, oh, gosh. I said, okay, ice cream. I said, okay. He went on. <laughs> and I thought about it, and I said, man, how life changes. Because back, in the, back when I started this account, I used to eat a lot of ice cream, but no more. You know, age and metabolism and everything has forced me to say, if I'm going to shoot myself to ice cream, it's that one scooper. What a bummer, you know? When I was younger, I used to think, one scoop? Forget it, it's not even worth scooping, you know? I mean, there was a time, I remember, I went to ice cream parlor, and they had this, this they called the Colossus, and it was nine scoops. And you can pick all these different flavors, nine scoops, and that's what I ordered. It was so much fun. But man, I can't do that anymore. And so I deny myself certain things. I choose to deny myself certain things because I know it's good. See, to deny ourselves a choice in America is a tough thing because there's so much things around us. But really, that's one of the key things that Christ is asking us to do. To choose to deny ourselves What? Deny yourself of what? Ice cream? No. You know, one of the things, and this is just one, and and I think this touches a lot of of our hearts, especially in North America here in the United States, is that none of us are comfortable. None of us feel real safe about always, or let's say openly talking about Jesus in our life. A lot of times we don't, want it. we don't really let people know we're a Christian. So I think one of the things that, that Jesus would want us to deny ourselves of is that comfort and that safety in being silent. But for us to deny ourselves that comfort and safety and for us to communicate to our world through our our word and through our lifestyle, through our actions, that I love Jesus Christ. He is part of my life and he's a big, big part of my life. And I hope that he's part of your life someday too. I think that's what he'd like us to do. But to do that, we have to put aside, we have to deny that desire for us to stay safe and comfortable. Step two, what does he say? Pick up your cross. And eh, it doesn't really have the same bite that it did back in those days, because back in those days, a cross was boom—it was in your face. Because we know the cross was the instrument of execution by the Roman government, right? And so the image. Think about this: to, to pick up your cross—that's what the Roman government did. You're convicted. You're 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 you're, you're, you're found guilty, and you're execution is to be crucified. Okay, first thing first, you go over there to this big old wooden crossbeam that we're eventually going to nail you to, but we want you to pick it up and put it on your shoulder, and we want you to walk up this road to the place we're going to nail you on to that crossbeam. You know what that was? That was a symbol of that person's submission to the Roman government. Realize that? That was a symbolic thing for everyone to see. This person submitting to us, he, he, he is under our thumb. We got him. And see, so when Jesus says to us, his believers, to pick up your cross, he's asking. He's not gonna twist your arm. He's not gonna put your face in it. He's asking, are you willing to submit to me? Are you willing to submit to God's plan for your life? Are you willing to submit to the things that you learned from this book called the Bible and really live it? Are you willing to submit? And lastly, what does it say? Step three, follow me. Wow, follow me. That's a tough one, you know. And when we look back he say, Follow me, what? Do, but really, when you say, Follow me, what does that really mean? Well, when we look at the big picture of Jesus' life, I'm gonna just, just going to boil it down to three words Jesus lived for others. It's that simple. He lived for others. He didn't live for himself. He lived for others. See, that's just the polar opposite of self-centeredness. But why? Why did he do this? Why did he do this? I mean, there had to be an end result. So what? He lived for others. You know, there are a lot of people that do good things for people. What did he live for others for? Paul kind of summed it up. Paul said to you know what Paul said to his followers? He said, hey, you guys follow me. You know why? Because I'm following Christ. Look at my example. Follow me. I'm following Christ. So what did Paul say? Paul said, he wrote in his letter to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave for everyone to win as many as possible. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. That's it. Pretty simple. That's why Jesus lived for others. That's why Jesus is saying, hey, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me? That's the end result. You know, sometimes I think about it. Think about it. Wouldn't this be really, really super cool? Think about it. You finally breathe your last. Now, that's not the super cool part. But you finally breathe your last, and the moment you breathe your last, you take your next breath in heaven. Oh, my gosh, where am I? And you're thinking, oh, my goodness. It is real. All this time, I'm finding out it's real. I believed it, but you know, gosh, I never saw it before. But man, I'm here. And you see people walking around you, and there's all this, and there's stuff up there, and you're just in awe. You're speechless, and you're just standing there, and it's just all-consuming, that moment. And someone taps you on your shoulder, and you turn around and look at that person, and this person looks at you and says, you know, you may not remember me, but I'm here because of you. Thank you. Isn't that incredible? Excuse me. Let's pray. Lord, as we pray, we remind you that the reason why we're even tackling this subject is because of a question that we each need to answer. Who is Jesus to me? So Father, help us to answer that in a clear, confident way. Work on our hearts, work on our minds. Help us to understand without a doubt that Jesus is who he says he is. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our God. And In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.